Welcome to Avoid the Confusion, the podcast where we delve deep into the minds of top performers in their respective fields. I'm your host, Kenny Robinson, and each week my goal is to bring you inspiring guests who will share their stories and strategies for success. Here at Avoid the Confusion, we believe that mental toughness is the key to achieving your goals. We explore the power of not giving up. We showcase the many failures and obstacles that are part of the journey towards success. So join us on this weekly journey of discovery as we bring you stories that show we are all human and that success is achievable with the right mindset and strategies. Get ready to be inspired to be the best version of yourself and Buckle up and don't forget, this is Avoid the Confusion. Welcome back, everybody. This week, I'm talking with Doug Mitchell. He's a owner of Building Great Sales Teams, serial entrepreneur. Uh, we got to talk briefly a little bit before I hit the record button and hear a little bit about his story and his journey. Sounds like uh, he's obviously, like all of us, experienced some setbacks from time to time, had some things in his personal life that could have certainly derailed his ultimate goal. So I think it's going to be a great episode. Doug, before we get started, man, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Uh, like you said, I'm the, the owner of Building Great Sales Teams. Our business, We have a consulting company that we focus on basically whether you're hiring your first salesperson or you have 20 and you want to overhaul your sales program. You know, I'm a sales program builder. That's what I do, right? And for the past uh, 13 years, I've had my sales org, which uh, we do sales for AT&T, DirecTV, Vivint, B2B, all that good stuff. We've earned in that time over 3,500 million in commissions. I always like to joke because there's so many people that like to put up big numbers like that, but this is just commissions. There's no product costs, labor, any of that stuff in there. And so, um, you know, we typically average two to three million a year in commissions selling door to door and and B2B. So that's that's on the business side. On the personal side, I'm a husband. I'm a father of three uh, to my wife, who we just got remarried about a, a year ago. So I've got a story for you guys behind that as well. <laughs> well, we'd love to hear it, man. I'll tell you what, uh, what I like to do here, I told you a little bit early on before we hit the record button is I love to talk about your journey into becoming Mm -hmm. an entrepreneur. And as we were talking earlier, you had told me you had a little bit of struggle in the corporate world. Talk a little bit about that and how you eventually you decided that being an entrepreneur and taking this route was what you wanted to do with your life. For whatever reason, well, I always had a chip on my shoulder from when I was younger. Um, I moved out of my mom and stepdad's house when I was 12. I moved into my aunt's house. And just to kind of give you the reasoning for that. She never came back. She never came after me. She was like, yeah, you're better off. You know what I'm saying? And then uh, my, my dad didn't want anything to do with me. So I got the mommy issues and the daddy issues, right? I got a big chip on my shoulder. I want to prove to the world that I'm worth something. And so when I graduate high school, it was just like a matter of time. You could not sit me in a classroom. Like I, I could not focus. I aced the test because I was a smart kid, but I definitely didn't do homework or stay engaged in my education at all. So I immediately, I followed a girl to Corpus Christi where she was going to go to college and I was just going to find a job. The first job that I found, I remember I got it on the way on the drive to Corpus Christi, which was a busboy at Sea Island Shrimp House. And then by the next day I had another job, which was driving trucks for Penske. And then maybe two weeks later I had another job, which was, you know, overhead, uh, building overhead doors for Horton Automatics, which, you know, if you go into Walmart and the doors open up, that's what we built, right? And so over the next couple of years or next year, I should say, I probably had about 10 other jobs and I kept getting fired because I kept telling my boss how to do their job and I (laughs) wouldn't shut my mouth. You can imagine 19 years old, all the experience in the world telling people how to do their job. Right. But I did. I, I, I knew right away I had a knack for business. I had a knack for systems, processes, operations. Right. And so I finally landed somewhere where that was appreciated, which was working for another entrepreneur. And he had about four different businesses. I did the marketing for them all. I was, you know, shipping coins. I was acting as liaison for the salespeople. It was really cool walking in the, it was like a boiler room, kind of like the movie or Wolf of Wall Street, all these things you see, a bunch of guys in a room on phones. That's what it was. So that's where I learned sales, right? And uh, one of those salespeople convinced him to start a door-to-door sales company that had an AT&T contract. And so he he dumped about 200 grand into it wasn't able to get a profit out of it. And as a last ditch effort was like, Hey, you've got a kind of a knack for this thing. So why don't you go and try to manage this door to door sales company? There's like six or seven salespeople. We got a van, we got two offices, one in Houston, one in Corpus Christi and um, go and do your thing and see what you can make out of it. 
So I remember the first month I made five grand, you know, we profited five grand. He was like, okay, I'm going to try and sell this thing, you know, <laughs> didn't work mm-hmm. out. So I saw the potential in it. And I was like, I can do this. It's very simple. It's door to door. You know, I, I knocked doors for 90 days and then I uh, developed systems, right. Which was a script. I developed a way to overcome objections. And then I started having to hire people. So I developed an opportunity meeting. You know, I didn't want to do one-on-one interviews because it was a waste of time. Once people heard door to door, they were out the door. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I started developing these systems and processes and um, that's what enabled me to scale. And so I knew there was a huge opportunity. So I asked him to owner finance it to me. He wanted his 200 grand back. So we did the deal and I, and I took over the company as 90% majority owner and CEO. And then over the next three years, we grew to 110 salespeople, 5 million in commissions. And, you know, we had about four different campaigns for different companies, door to door and, and B2B. And again, how were we able to do that? Um, it w- it wasn't without its challenges, but, but honestly, all I did was scale the same systems I had started from day one. Just, I scaled it into, okay, how do we train people? How do we run our weekly daily and monthly meetings? How do we set targets and then accomplish those targets? It was systems and processes. It was all the boring stuff that nobody likes to talk about. It's fun to talk about how to close someone at a door, but it's not fun to talk about, okay, we need a recruiting report that shows me what's my cost per hire by source that I'm recruiting from. And based on that source, how many of those hires get to their fifth sale where it that's the point at which I recover my hiring cost. You know, this is this is the data that I was able to dive into and we were able to scale because of. So during that time, were you still mainly selling the AT&T stuff uh, mm-hmm. door to door or were you starting to add other services, sell for other companies and stuff as well? Yeah, we were doing a lot of testing. You know, we did mm-hmm. we did a stint in commercial energy. We did a stint in residential energy. You know, we started selling uh, direct TV, B2B. So that's the uh, satellite services, Sunday ticket and stuff like that. And so, but at the end of the day, because AT&T and DirecTV merged, probably 80% of our income always came from AT&T. So we were one of the top dealers in the nation for AT&T in both volume and quality. So what made you sort of want to transition from doing that to doing your own thing and, and teaching people how to build sales teams? Is it sort of just a, a love for helping people, feeling more fulfilled mm-hmm. doing that or... So I remember when I started becoming successful, right? And I I would talk to my wife about it, like, you know, obviously I'm gonna make millions and millions of dollars and retire at like 35 <laughs> in my head. That's how I'm 37 now, by the way, I'm still working my ass off. But in my head, that's how it was gonna work. I was like, okay, I, I, by 40, I wanna start a nonprofit. And I'm, I'm 25 years old when I'm saying this. I wanna start a nonprofit Right. And because of the jobs I had had in the past, I had this collective experience of starting businesses. Right. I worked for entrepreneurs or I started my own side hustles, but I had this ability to put together an entire business within a couple of weeks. Right. And so I told her, I want to basically mentor other business owners to six figures, essentially. I want to take them from zero to 100K, you know, and I, and I want to show them, you know, how to build the website how to create the business cards. This was 15 years ago. Right. Mm -hmm. And so uh, how to um, capture the leads, you know, how to create a sales process, how to set up SOPs for your staff. By that time we had 15 in staff. So it wasn't just being the salesperson and running the sales team. It was being this, a a true CEO at that time, you know, where I had this large staff and this large sales team. So I always knew I wanted to help other business owners. I just never thought that I was going to get them to pay me to do it. (laughs) And so what happened is about two years ago, I joined uh, an organization and I think it may be how we met, which is Apex, right? Mm -hmm. And I joined in at the top level. I joined in at at executives. And so I'm around all these multimillionaires, right? And I had a multimillion dollar business, but I was by no means a multimillionaire, right? And I'm like, I'm in the wrong room. I don't have the net worth these guys do in this room. You know, that imposter syndrome started setting in. And then, so I just started talking to him. We started having conversations and they asked what I did. 
And then all of a sudden I had four of them around me listening to how I built out my sales teams and the systems and processes I created in the process. And so right away it clicked that, Hey, I did have something of value. Nobody had built teams like I had in the past. And so obviously I had something not necessarily proprietary, but something that worked right. That a yeah. lot of these multimillionaire business owners didn't have. And so when it really clicked is I took a PJ trip with Stuman. So he sells these private jet trips for five to eight K. Right. And, uh, I found out that he was going on a consulting trip. Right. So I bought the ticket and I asked him and say, Hey, you guys are going to do consulting on this trip. Right. And you're going to go to the client. You're going to spend a full day with them and run through all their systems processes, their sales process, all that good stuff. Right. He's like, yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, Hey, can I like carry a bag? Can I hold a camera? Like, I just want to see this happen because it's what I want to do eventually. Right. I want to travel the country, helping other business owners. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's like, Hey, I'll do you one better. Can you do a sales training for this company? And I'm like, hell yeah, I can. It, it was a credit repair company, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I, I sold credit repair. Of course I've done a little bit of everything, right? <laughs> I sold credit repair for six months. I was a top salesperson, a hundred percent. I can do a training. And so I went and did that training and I'm still good friends with the owner of that credit repair company today. And he still reaches out to me asking for advice and stuff like that. And we have a great relationship. And so his feedback and then Ryan and his team's feedback on everything that I did while I was there, just again, solidified that, Hey, this is something that I can do. I'm very good at, which is taking a process and simplifying it and building it out for scale, you know, and, and in most cases it's the sales team. Yeah. So when you started having these sort of realizations that you wanted to do this on your own and create your mm -hmm. own company and train people on how to build these sell teams, how, how scary was it for you to transition? Because I know you had already mentioned 5 million in commissions. Yeah. You're obviously doing pretty well in right. a more secure role with someone else. Um, how scary was it to sort of take that leap to go out on your own? Or were you already pretty confident and thought your best bet was betting on you? It was, it was pretty scary because if you think about it, you know, even so we reached that peak in 14, 15 and, uh, and then 16 through 19, we maintained two to 3 million a year. You know what I'm saying? That, that meant, you know, 200 to 300 K a year in personal income for me, lots of stability through a very unstable time in my life, lots of stability. And I basically kept running the play. I kind of reached this plateau, if you will. Right. Mm -hmm. I knew what my income was going to be. I knew what I had to do to make this money. And then it, it honestly got a little boring, right? So I started giving away more and more of what I did to my leadership, paying them a little more, reducing my margins a little more, and uh, somewhat exiting the business. By the end of it, I was completely working on the business, not in the business. So the plan was this is to be another division of the company, you mm -hmm. know, which was going to be Argenta Consulting, right? And so, um, but what happened was as I pulled out of it and as I started developing myself and growing myself and really focusing on my values and my family and pouring into them, because at that time in my life, I had just gotten them back. Right. And so I really started filtering who I spent my time with. And it turns out that my leadership, you know, we had, you know, I had two major leaders at the time. One of them, we didn't feel the same way about the commissions that we were paying the salespeople. I wanted the commissions to be more in the install process, more the money to go to the fulfillment piece. And he wanted it to stay on the sales side. And then the other one, well, I wanted to be faithful to my wife and he didn't, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. that was very easy there, you know? <laughs> and so basically, you know, long story short, I drew that line in the sand and, you know, me and my uh, ex-partner broke up at that point. And then the leadership that I had on the other side, uh, I basically cut him loose and that mm -hmm. cost me roughly 1.5 million annually because he ran that team and he did, he had a good, he had a good uh, friendship with everybody on the team. So he was able to recruit most of that team away. So yeah. that was a $1.5 million core value decision in my mind, you know, and everybody can say, you know, oh, you're going to make it back because you made that decision. Your life's going to be so much better. And I agree a hundred percent, but it doesn't make it sting any less in the year no, following no, no. <laughs> It it doesn't. Me myself, I've made some I've made some pretty poor financial decisions to protect relationships and I've brought yeah. friends in the business with me and 
you know, it's not that they weren't good at what they did. It's just, you know, there ends up in most partnerships I have found being some somebody at some point feels like they're being taken advantage of. It's very yeah. rare that that visions align long term. You know, once yeah. more money starts coming into the equation, things oh, tend to yeah. get a little a little <laughs> a little wishy washy. So I, I too have made some pretty poor what would be considered poor financial decisions to maintain mm-hmm. relationships with people. So I always think you you certainly have to put more value in the yeah. core values and, and making decisions there. Cause I, you know, I'm not willing to sacrifice my sort of my soul or my character yeah. to make, to make money. So it's, I, I applaud you for making some of those hard decisions, man, because partnerships can be rough from time to time, but going sort of, talking about you you going on your own building sales teams out for other companies right now in your day-to-day business how does that how does that really work do you recruit is it mainly home services companies so for anybody listening who thinks well man i'm, yeah. I'm needing to build a sales team how does some of that work with you these days you know i i set it up in packages with, which makes it easier so mm-hmm. uh you know i have an entry-level package that i work with you for for two weeks we set up very simple entry-level systems. This is usually when you're trying to hire your first salesperson. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously we're not going to create this big ass program when you haven't even hired your first person yet. So when you're hiring that first person, it takes about two weeks to put together a program for you, two calls. It's very simple, very elementary, right? And then the other piece of that is going out to about 30 days, right? This is, you maybe have a few salespeople and um, you want to finally dial everything in. Your conversion rates are maybe dropping a little bit or your salespeople aren't making what you think they should make. All right, we're going to dial things in. We're spend 30 days doing that. And then the last one is a 90 day package, right? And this is typically, I've mainly done this with home service companies because they have large sales teams and we're mm-hmm. overhauling the program and we're, we're like creating an SOP for everything essentially. So I'm very deliverable based. I'm not the guy that gets on the phone, tells you what to do and expects you to go do it. I have a team that we're able to execute on these documents that we're building out for you. So I have roughly 13 to 15 documents that I build out for these programs. And it's everything from a comp plan to overcoming objections to an opportunity structure to train the trainer. That's a big one. A lot of people expect their salespeople to know how to train people and they don't. So you have to develop an SOP for that for them to follow. And then we we upload everything into uh, Google Drive folders and documents so that you can edit it moving forward. To where that's not the concrete. In 13 years, quarter to quarter, my sales my sales program changed. Whether it was the mm-hmm. compensation, whether it was the product, or the way that we trained, like something changed in the script. So your sales program needs to be malleable in that sense, that you can always update it. And then uh, what I like to do is upload everything to a backend and uh, give you custom training on each of the documents, as well as you know on the paramount things, which are like your script overcoming objections and the uh, sales flow, right? So training on, you know, how do we sell customers? How do we overcome the objections? And then how, what does the sales flow look like at a 10,000 foot view? So we know that who's doing what, when, and where, right? Yeah. And so that's kind of how we, we build it out. So day to day, you know, like today, you know, I'm recording a podcast with you. I had a, a client call before this where we did a kickoff call for a 90 day program, and we were just establishing targets, establishing, okay, where are our pain points in the system? And then how are we going to essentially document our way to success? And so that was uh, the call we had before this. And then this morning, I'll be honest, I had a toothache last night. So I slept in a little bit. I slept yeah. in until 8.30. And so uh, it was hanging out with the, the kids in, for like half an hour or so because they're, they're, they're doing summer and then getting ready and coming up here to the office. I like it. So yeah. in your in your current model, is most of the stuff handled remotely via Zoom, mm-hmm. similar to like what how we're having this conversation now? Or do you actually go out and help people in person? Is that sort of like a, a, a upgrade if, if somebody needed some hands on? Yeah. So with uh, the 90-day engagement, I do a site survey to start because I do. I like to shake everybody's hand, get the vibe of the company, mm-hmm. understand the culture and all that good stuff. And then, yeah, um, I have a site survey product by itself that you can, let's just say you're doing a, a, a 30 day product. You can add in the site survey in there as well. Every now and then I have clients that are local and then I just throw it in there for free. Cause it's a drive to your office versus uh, getting on a plane, staying in a hotel, being away from the family. 
that's what they're really paying for is my time away from my family, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. You know, and one of my personal core values is have a help first mentality. So I'm sure mm-hmm. you're very similar. So for people out there listening right now, what are mm-hmm. some, a little bit of advice you would give somebody who's thinking about potentially hiring that first salesperson or building the sales team? Because, you know, yeah. even me and my business, it took three years before I finally found somebody that I felt like I could trust and yeah. train to go out and do sales. It was a nightmare mm-hmm. for me learning those things early on. A hundred percent. So this is one of my favorite questions because it it's super simple, you know, but so many people get it wrong because they they don't know they're going to hire a salesperson until they walk into their office or they walk into dinner or they walk into their home and they realize, oh, this is the salesperson that I want to hire. I want them to work with me. And then they go backwards trying to make sure that they have everything they need to be successful, right? And so even if you're not thinking about hiring a salesperson right now, I would do this for your own sanity, which is document, right? The first step of this whole thing is to document your process. This is all the way from the source of your lead, all the way to, you know, you sending the client, um, what is it called? Uh, review requests or testimonial requests, everything in between there, document it, line it out, make sure you have all that dialed in. If you do great, then next you need to look at what I like to call Kodak. If you uh, hashtag Kodak right now, you should see a lot of my stuff come up, right? So read those posts, listen to the podcast. My podcast is called Building Great Sales Teams. And then I'll walk you through Kodak. So Kodak is an acronym and the first letter is C. So that's for compensation, right? And so is your compensation rep facing and is it simple? And what I mean by rep facing, you don't have your margins and stuff in there. This is something that they can look at on one sheet of paper and see their way, basically plan their way to six figures on that sheet of paper. You know, so I always say, hey, give them the compensation, show them if they execute weekly, what you think they're able to execute, then what will they make weekly? And then show them, okay, if they move up into management, what are they going to make in terms of override? Right. And then long-term, if they work here for a year and they execute what you just showed them weekly, what will they make annually? And if it's not six figures, then you probably need to look at that and have a six-figure level within your opportunity structure. So that's the next piece of Kodak is opportunity, right? So we can show them six figures all day long and maybe they even come in and make six figures. But what does every salesperson do once they come in and they're successful? They're like, okay, what next? I did it. You know what I mean? Like, now they're they're looking for more growth, more development. So you got to show them opportunity. And all right, can I become a trainer? Can I become a leader? Can I become a regional? Like, is this even if those positions don't exist yet, you still need to show them your plan. Like yeah. we all want 10 million, 20 million dollar companies, but do we have a structural sales program to get us there? And and shows them, okay, here's trainee, here's appointment setter, here's closer, here's market manager, here's regional, here's VP. You know, this is the opportunity structure that I'm going to have in place. And as long as you qualify, you know, you put your qualifications on there, you put your, um, the position responsibilities, and then you put the training and development, you're going to give them along the way, right? So the development is the next piece and that goes hand in hand with that. So we got compensation on one side, we got the opportunity structure on the other, we could hand them this sheet. We can send it to them in PDF. Anytime we want to recruit someone, we can show them again, their conversation and their opportunity. And then in that opportunity structure, every level you're showing them their development, right? Which at entry level, it's orientation, your basic stuff, product knowledge, sales training. And then maybe if they're a 1099 position, maybe we bring in an expert that knows everything there is about taxes and show, shows them, hey, how do I set myself up for success so my tax person can, can do my taxes, right? Yep. And we give them that education from an entry level. And then the next level, maybe we show them how to open up an LLC that mm-hmm. protects us. Right. And now we don't have to worry about the W2 to 99 thing. And they're opening up an LLC, which they can use as a tax shelter. Right. Mm-hmm. And we bring in an expert to explain that to them. You record the conversation, you upload it into your backend training system, along with the rest of your training. And now at each level, they're getting new training and they're developing along the way. You show me someone that's compensated well, that has an amazing opportunity, a six-figure opportunity, and you're developing them along the way, your retention rates are going to go through the roof, right? The last two pieces are operations and culture. So operations is like, okay, if 
I'm the kind of company that needs 10 to 20 salespeople, then I need to be recruiting every month, every day. Mm-hmm. I, I can't stop recruiting. So I have to have a recruiting program within the sales program that brings me fresh candidates every day. Because even in the best sales positions, you're going to have a 10 to 15% turnover rate, right? Yeah. So you got to be able to replace them every month. We're going to have that in place on the operations side. And that's a big one I always tell clients too. It's like, hey, you hire me and we come in and we hire a bunch of salespeople and you you make, you know, you 5X your sales. Can you even fulfill it? Is that communicate? Is that customer experience going to be there? You know, so we touch on that. We make sure yep. that they can handle that. Uh, as well as we also make sure that our onboarding process is on point, that um, our payroll process is on point, and that our um, minimum standards as well as code of conduct is on point. That's a big part of the operations too, is making sure all those standards are set. So they're taught them when they come into the company. And then whenever they violate them or have issues with them, that they can't go back and say, I didn't know. You know what I'm saying you yeah. signed the piece of paper that said it right there, right? Absolutely. And then the last piece you're doing those first four things, right? Culture is going to happen organically. You're going to have a culture of winning minimum standards, core values, right? Core values is a huge piece. Can't just be on the wall. Everybody's got to be reciting them in every meeting, every get together, wearing the shirts with their core values on them. You know, you want to swag your guys out, you know, salespeople love that stuff. Mm-hmm. They love to represent the company and, and that become the, part of their identity. And nobody wants the company to become part of their identity if the core values aren't aligned there. And so that's a huge part of culture. And then all the fun stuff too, quarterly competitions and being intentional, intentional about that incentives, bonuses, you know, um, awards, all that good stuff. That's a big part of the culture too. So when you're looking at building out a sales program, I typically like to use Kodak as my platform to build on top of. I like it. Sounds brilliant. I'm I'm so glad you came on here today because you clearly are well-versed and well-studied and know what you're talking about, man. So it's, a, it's refreshing. And I tell you, the name of, the, of my podcast is Avoid the Confusion. And what I want people to do is avoid the the unnecessarily, like instead of going and asking your uncle for advice on the right. build a sales team <laughs> who has never built a sales team and taking yeah. what they say is concrete, you know, solid sound advice, other than what it is, is just an opinion is yeah. uh, what I, what I want to help people avoid. So I do a little bit of consulting too, and I know how mm-hmm. I feel on this, but I'm going to ask your opinion. Sure. A lot of people avoid even going out and trying to recruit or add sales to the sales team because they mm-hmm. assume nobody wants to go hunt. Nobody's Nobody wants to door knock. Nobody wants to do these things. So for people who are early on in business and haven't started mm-hmm. to build that team, what's your advice on recruiting? Like, how do you find somebody? Do you, do you like, for example, do you like to utilize, I like to use personality testing and stuff yeah. like that before I even have an interview with someone, but mm-hmm. talk us through a little bit about how you would recommend somebody even prospecting and recruiting someone for sales. Well, you got to start with the end in mind. Do I want high quality leadership? Who am I recruiting for? Am I recruiting for the entry-level salesperson? And do I have a position that is going to turn over, right? I, I was from door-to-door, so I knew right away that I was going to turn over 50 to 60% of my entry-level people the first month. You know, I knew that right away. There, There is no questioning that. That's a major stat in door-to-door. That's why we're so good at recruiting because no matter how high quality our position, our company, any of that gets, at the end of the day, they still got to knock on our door. And and nobody wakes up. I did not wake up at 16 years old and say, hey, I want to knock on doors and I want to start a door-to-door sales company. But what I did wake up every day and say was, I want to be successful. I want to be somebody. I want to matter. I want to make an impact. And that's where door-to-door gets it right. Because you do. You go in, you learn how to sell, you learn how to lead, you learn how to train, you learn all these things, and you change people's lives. You take them from making minimum wage at Taco Bell to making 50, 60 grand a year you know what I mean? Which now is like Taco Bell, right? (laughs) Now, now we're taking them to making a hundred grand a year and we're changing their lives completely. That is the most rewarding thing in our business, right? So you got to decide, or you got to figure out and you got to know what position am I hiring hiring for, right? To me, there's entry level, which is that door-to-door position. There's kind of that medium level, you know, maybe I got a year of experience in car sales. Maybe I got a year of experience as a realtor or something like that. And then there's that leadership level, that key player, that um, person that's actually going to move the needle in your business, right? 
And, and to me, you recruit differently for all three of those, but right away, if you already have a sales team or you have a salesperson in place, the best place to recruit is from them. For the, them to bring in their friends, their family, somebody that knows that they do really well, they make good money and they're taken care of. When you recruit that person in, they are five times more successful in the sales position if they come from your team internally. So what should you do then? So what we would do is we understood that, okay, my cost per hire on average back in the day was anywhere from $250 to $300 per hire. That's the recruiting cost. That's the cost of the person that brings them in on the phone. That's the cost of the uh, softwares that we use in that recruiting process. And so everything divided by the number of people we hire that month, roughly $250 to $300 per hire. So why would I not pay the same thing for my people to bring my internal salespeople to bring in someone? And if we hire them, they get that hiring bonus. Heck, I might pay double because I know that person they bring in is going to be so much more successful than the one that I brought in off of ads. So that's the first concept that I, I really want to preach and want to teach people is to take care of your people that are bringing, growing your company. They're bringing people in because they're successful and, and their friends and family see that, right? The second thing I would say is if you're going to be hiring for volume, you need to track your metrics and you need to be everywhere and anywhere. Your social media, all the job hiring boards constantly you need to be full court press, having a steady stream of candidates coming into your office as much as you can if you have a high turnover position. Now, like you said, if you're hiring for maybe a little more quality and you know every salesperson you add maybe adds a million dollars in business, then we're going to go to wise hire. We're going to use the stages in wise hire. We're going to use the sales test. We're going to use the disk testing. If you want to take it even further, then I recommend uh, predictive index. Uh, Brian Alexander, he's in our group. He, he provides that service, which is fantastic. And so as you go up in quality of person, you need to be going up in what you're spending to acquire that person, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately. So in your your opinion, if I'm building out for me, I own uh, for one, of, one of our businesses, a roofing company. So uh -huh. if I'm going to go out and I'm going to develop a salesperson, do you suggest when you first bring someone on that that person do things like door knocking and sort of earn their way up to getting leads? Or mm -hmm. do you like when you're helping someone build out a sales team? And this is a question I get a lot is, well, every time I hire someone, they just want to run leads and they have no desire to go hunt something on their own. Yeah. So you, do you suggest building a program to where you earn your way into being able to run leads and that type of stuff? A hundred percent. Again, it depends on the business, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if I'm a mortgage broker and I'm recruiting mortgage brokers, I'm probably not going to be heavy on the entry level person, which is the admin or the appointments that are coming in, right? I'm going to be heavy on recruiting from other mortgage broker companies, right? But as far as like door-to-door -door sales, 100%, I will bet on a candidate that came from my company from entry level and worked their way up through my system all day before I'll bet on somebody that comes in from another company because they're coming in with the bad habits. They're coming in with their own preconceived notions and they're not coming in like a blank slate. It is so much easier to build people than to recruit somebody from another company. And you are, you're taking a risk. I can sell you all day, Kenny, on how awesome I am and you should pay me 250 grand a year and I'll come in, I'll change your whole sales division. You know what I mean? But the proof is in the pudding and you, some of us can't afford to pay out that pudding and then find out, oh, he was full of it. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I think a, I think a ton of business owners currently right now today have an excellent vision. They have an excellent idea of where they want to move forward. They're just unsure in themselves or unsure in their mm -hmm. ability. And they're looking for somebody who they believe can solve a problem when really you can solve the problem. If you just find the right person, they don't have to have the experience. They don't have to have the knowledge. I look for people personally in my businesses that I can win with based on yeah. personality, how they present themselves, how they carry themselves. You mm -hmm. know, if we go to eat lunch, how do they interact with the server? If I'm interviewing somebody over lunch, like I pay attention to so many things outside of what they say about themselves. And it's also right. for me, if I'm trying to sell myself, I very rarely talk about myself. I always try to talk about you, how I can help you, how I can add exactly. value to you and your business. So I like meeting people who sort of handle themselves and carry themselves the same way. And and I think I, I like it when I meet somebody and I think, you know, I can, I can, I can win with this person. I don't know Absolutely. how yet. I don't know where they fit in, but exactly. I'm going to figure it out. So that's, that's why I asked that question the way I did. And you answered my follow-up question was that was, do you believe it's 
more beneficial to hire someone with experience <laughs> or to train somebody. So you entered, you kind of gave, gave us a uh, two birds well, and one stone on that one. And what I, I'll expand on that a little bit mm-hmm. in, and we're all our own filter, right? So everything that you just said, somebody is evaluating you the same way, mm-hmm. right? And so if I want key players in my business, and then I learned this from Ryan Stuman, we were uh, on a trip in his one of his Cabo masterminds, right? Fantastic trip. Took my wife, actually, actually where I reposed to her. So okay. again, a really cool story there. But you know, so we're we're out there, and I am the systems person. I can recruit people all day long and get the volume in, right? But I was struggling with that other piece, which was how do I get the key players? You know, how do I get these guys that have teams following them already? You know what I mean? And I had done that in the past, but it wasn't successful. Like we just talked about, they came in, talked a big game, couldn't follow through. Right. How do I get those people that I know about in the business already and are maybe just like fairly under my level, but want to make a move, you know? And so I asked Ryan this and he gave me a very simple answer. You have to be the example, Right. So this is a book that he just came out with. And I always end up promoting his book through this question, but this is a book that he just came out with and explained this. He said, if you want to recruit these high level people, you've got to be one, a step above them in terms of success, in terms of your disciplines, in terms of your knowledge, in terms of your execution, right? So you've got to be more fit than them. You've got to be smarter financially with your money than them. You've got to be somebody that they want to follow. You know, you got to be the best in your, in your marriage. You got to be the best in your faith, you know, and, and the best in your business. Right. And if they see that then they're going to want to follow that, and then they're going to want to follow you and you end up recruiting them by osmosis versus recruiting by pitching them, you know, the world. Right. It was so much easier because, because I do, I want to expand this business. Right. So I need other consultants to learn my systems and to apply them to other businesses. Right. And so I have three people lined up, ready to go, that I want to get trained on it and want to start taking on clients. None of, I never said anything. I never said I wanted to recruit people. I never said I wanted to like find more consultants until now, until they gave me the idea. They came and they said, Hey, I want to work with you. I don't know how yet. That's my favorite thing to hear. I don't know how yet, but I know I want to work with you, you know? And that's because of what I was putting out there. And it's not all just good stuff. You got to be vulnerable too. You got to put out the bad stuff. You know, I've done a lot of bad things in my life and I'm willing to say that so other people can learn from it. You know, people appreciate that authenticity and they're attracted to it. So maybe I'm not like the most fit or the most successful guy, but they they're attracted to the authenticity or they're attracted to the execution, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And that's, that's very par for the course, if you will, I know you know Mike Claudio. You guys were mm-hmm. probably close uh, yeah. in, in Apex. Um, I mm-hmm. hired Mike as a business coach two and a half years ago. I was hemorrhaging money. I was fresh out of a law enforcement career, had no idea what I was doing being a business owner. And Mike, Mike after, is one of my favorite human beings, first yeah, of all. After, I just want to put that being, out there. After being in that organization for a while, man, and seeing how they do things and how they run things, and it was every, you know, I, I thought I was hiring somebody who was going to tell me how to clean up systems and processes. Yeah. He's ever asking me who I want to be, what I want to be known for, how's my marriage yeah. and all this. And it, he, he became more of a life coach, you know, for over a year. And then um, I just, I, one day I told him, I said, I've got to be part of what you're doing, man. I just, I love this. And and so this year I've become, I'm a coach on the win rate team. And Oh, I didn't know that. A, Congratulations. Yeah, it's, been a, it's been an amazing adventure. I have a, a few clients that I work with, but just like you're saying, like Mike never came to Fantastic. me and said, I have a plan for you or anything like that. It was just being around Mike and some of the other guys on that, on that team. And I thought, man, I, what what you're doing in people's lives here is, is amazing. And I want to be, I want to be part of it. Part of it. That's exactly Hell right. Yeah. And so <laughs> uh, I just, I, I love to that, share so that much. with you while we were having that conversation, man. But yeah, Mike is, one of my favorite human beings as well. So he'll get a little shout out here on this. Yeah. He's a brilliant conversationalist. He can, he's one of the only people I know that I can have a 10 minute conversation with and he can just unfuck like seven things I've been dealing with in that 10 minutes. Always. He's always has a unique, fresh perspective mm -hmm. on something as well. No matter how deep I think I've considered something and thought (laughs) it through, you have a a, a conversation with Mike and he'll make you reevaluate just how, what, what well, do you think are you really are? Unique and honest. 
honest. He's a sugar honest. shit. <laughs> That's the thing with him, man. He's brutally honest. Yeah. Brutally honest. Like, I'll say, hey, what do you think about this? And he'll say, I think you're an idiot. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Who else can do that, right? Who else? That's right. <laughs> That's right, man. So, so real quick, you know, we got a, just a little bit of time left. I try yeah. not to make these guys too long. I'm going to ask you a couple hard questions. Um, okay. You've talked about almost losing your family, reproposing mm-hmm. to your life, reproposing, my bad, to yeah. your wife. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that entrepreneur lifestyle, traveling, all that kind of was kind of going to your head early on? You think it, it, it sort of separated you from the, the people that you genuinely care about? You think it was sort of a losing focus? And and as you answer that, how can mm-hmm. you help some of the people that are listening who are getting, because I see it happen a lot. I see a lot of people, you start making some money, you start traveling a little bit and things kind of go haywire. How do you recommend somebody keep focus also? For me, it was an ambition issue, mm-hmm. right? And it was a um, contentment issue. So, you know, when I was making all that, that money and had a bunch of people looking up to me, you know, in every room that I was in, I was the big fish, whether it was in conversation intellectually, money-wise, it didn't matter. Every room that I was in, I was the big fish, right? And and that was an issue. I lived in Corpus Christi, Texas, population of 300,000. You know, that was my first problem. I wasn't around other entrepreneurs. I wasn't around other successful people because they would have blown me out of the water, right? Um, so I let that go to my head. That was the first thing. I let my ego win in that case. But the second thing was I reached a level of success and I had nothing else to reach for. And that was what drove me. And then, so yes, because I reached it, now what? I lost focus, you know, and I had a productive focus before, which was building the business, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. Like I was a good dad, you know, yeah. or I should say I was an okay dad. I was an okay husband, right? So I maintained those as much as I needed to in order to keep building this empire. But once I got it to a certain point, I felt like I had made it. I was in the 17th floor of downtown Corpus Christi overlooking the bay. You know, everybody that walked into our office was just blown away because we had a beautiful office and it was a door-to-door sales company, you know? And so what happened was I had this chip on my shoulder that was supposed to be fulfilled, you know what I mean? But it was still there for some reason, you know? So I wasn't content. I wasn't going home and being content. And quite honestly, quite honestly, I had created a uh, an issue with women from a young age, right? And so uh, I think we're around the same age. So we got introduced to porn in a completely different way than than men before us, right? We had it on yep. our um, computers and then it was on our cell phones. So easy access and it was all free, right? And so I created this need for this thing that wasn't real, right? And so I'm not content anymore. Now I'm traveling all the time. Now I have women throwing themselves at me, right? And And I just gave into it. I was like, hey, I haven't done this thing yet. Let me do this with this girl. You know what I mean? And it, and it was, it became a checklist of things that I wanted to do, you know, and because I didn't have any checklist in my business life or my personal life, I had the, the beautiful wife, I had the home, I had the big truck, you know, I had the kids, all this superficial stuff that I checked off. And there wasn't any, at that time in my life, there wasn't any growth and development. So obviously doing that for two years, I was eventually, because we were, we were involved in the church. Me and my wife got baptized together before we got married. And, um, you know, we did it the right way. We got married, we had kids, we bought the house, all that stuff, built a business. And um, her uncle decided he wanted to start a church. So I helped him do it financially and labor and all that good stuff. And this was while I was doing all that other stuff when I was on the road, right? And so eventually, once he got it open and got it rolling and everything, he asked me to give testimony, you know, and you can imagine the conversation going on in my head at this time. But how could I say no? What excuse did I have if I was telling the truth, you know? And so I got up on that stage and and God silenced me. I couldn't get a word out. I wasn't able to give the testimony. I got off the stage. I broke down and I and it was in that moment God convicted me and I was like, I've got to change my life. And so I went on the straight and narrow for the next two years. I didn't tell my wife everything that I had done. I was still a coward in that sense. Mm-hmm. And so um, what happened was she came across an old email or something like that, something very innocent, but it triggered me. And I had told her everything. So this was two years after I'd committed the last act, right? Yep. 
And so I just like unloaded everything on her. I guess I had been carrying it around and I finally needed to unload it and I unloaded it and I did it in the wrong way. And so we separated and divorced eventually. Um, I moved her to San Antonio so she could be closer to her parents. I sold our house and I'm driving from San Antonio or from Corpus Christi to San Antonio, having just destroyed my whole life single-handedly, nobody to blame but myself. And I, and I am, I'm thinking about, okay, you know, now I've got to rebuild. I've got to start dating. You know, I've got to talk to my, my uh, leaders in the business and tell them what I had done. You know, how am I going to spin this in my favor? Cause I was a master at that. I was a bullshit artist. Right. Mm-hmm. So how am I going to spin this in my favor? And again, that conviction came down from God again. It's like, you're not, you're going to be a man of integrity. Now you're going to tell them the truth, no matter how ugly it is. And so that's what I did for the next three and a half years. That's what I did every day was if, if something wasn't pretty, but they had to know, I told them, you know, mm-hmm. anybody that I dated, I told them up front, this is what I did. Lost my family. It's my fault. You know what I'm saying? Like, and this is who I am now, you know? And so, you know, I believe that two major things changed in me. I became a man of integrity and I became 10 times a better father because now I had my kids. That's one of the things I wanted to make sure of the family life I had, I didn't grow up with. I already screwed that up. Right. I got divorced. Right. And so at least the part that I can get right is being a father. When I have Mm -hmm. them, I'm going to have them and I'm it for them. I'm the one, I'm the nurturer. I'm the protector. I'm the provider. Like I'm doing everything. I'm cooking, I'm cleaning all that stuff. And I did, I, I really developed my relationship with my kids for that time that we were separated and divorced. And by the grace of God, eventually she was able to forgive me through three or four reconciled attempts, you know, dating other people, doing the whole thing, you know, which is horrible. If you're in your late thirties and you're dating right now, I feel bad for you. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Um, Which is horrible, but Anyway, she was able to forgive me. And what she did, I saw the veil come down. The connection was back. You know what I'm saying? And and so many people say, hey, once you cheat, you can never come back from that. Once that trust is broken, that's absolutely true for us on this earth. The only thing that can repair that is God in my mind. And so, and it is, our relationship is 10 times better than it used to be. Ever, yeah. even when we first started dating, it's way better because we're honest with each other. You know what I'm saying? We 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 tell the ugly truths, and then we do. We have gotten our relationship, you know. And so, and in and Kenny, I don't understand it. After everything I put that woman through, the way that she looks at me now, man, I feel like a fucking king. You know what I'm saying? And that yeah, is how I it do. should be. I got <laughs> I got lucky after. I went through a divorce um, and and looking back, a lot of it was, was probably my fault. I'm not going to say for a minute that it wasn't. And I met my current wife, Macy. We've been together. Actually, we just celebrated our sixth wedding anniversary. We have two more small kids. I'm 40. We have five children that range from 20 years old to three years old. So yeah. it's always a fun time in our house. But uh, but I, I I genuinely believe I'm a much better husband and father today than I was before. And, you know, I don't regret the way things work out. I love my wife. I love my kids, but I do that. The the man I am today can look back and say, regardless of what happened in that past marriage, I I played a very, very heavy hand in sort of the undoings of it because I wasn't the husband that I could have been. So having somebody else come on and say that there's nothing wrong with that. I love seeing someone who's been able to grow through something and then grow Mm -hmm. with someone in a in a common direction and the fact that you were lucky enough that she did forgive you and eventually yeah. look at you the way that she does again man that's a blessing in and of itself so well it's congratulations rare, it's rare. thank you uh, that's your that's that's probably the uh your 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 greatest sale of all time right there <laughs> <laughs> i wish i could take credit for it but god was the closer on that one fortunately without a doubt man without a doubt <laughs> So do, before we hop off of here real quick, man, real quick, tell people um, how they can sort of reach you. And I'll, I'm going to put it in the description and everything, too. But anybody looking to build a team or looking for help, how do they how can they contact you? Well, the first thing I will say is I'm, I'm not one of those people that as soon as you contact me, I'm going to try to get money out of you. I've yep. got several different training programs that I give away to get people started. So a lot of what you were asking for, I, I kind of give that away because I. I don't, I don't have the scale to where I'm going to be working with a hundred clients a month. 
I'm probably going to be working with five to 10 clients a month, you know? So I want to make sure that one, that they're qualified before we work together. Right. Mm-hmm. So we've got the podcast that you can, you can follow building great sales teams. My handle on every one of my social medias is txbizdad, And then my website is txbizdad.com. And so anything I've got going on is going to feed through those things. Honestly, if you do have questions about that, just start following me. If you start following yeah. me, you're going to see the content that I put out is very much around that. It's it's very much around being a father and a husband. It's very much around growing and developing yourself and, and my journey in that. You know, I don't think we're ever we're ever at a place where we don't have room to grow and develop. So I'm always going to kind of document that journey as well. That's right. I, I feel the exact same way. And you mentioned earlier about thinking you'd probably be retired by the time you're 35. And here I am at 40. <laughs> and I think, man, I don't know if I'll ever retire. Like I'm, I'm yeah. starting to fall in love with the pursuit of something, you know, and it's, I don't know, it's, what, it's why I wake up in the morning. That's why I feel yeah. energized. That's why I'm excited about the day because I never know what today may hold, you know, and it's just, it's an exciting way to live life. And I don't know if I ever want to stop doing this. Like I, I certainly, at some point, probably want to get away from managing a roofing company, but I don't know if I ever <laughs> want to stop pursuing something. I don't think I'll ever yeah. retire. No, that's man, when thank we die. you so much for coming on today, <laughs> taking the time to sit and talk with me. A wealth of knowledge. I think the show actually went a little different than it does typically, but you were hitting on some good things. And I thought mm-hmm. I saw a room to ask some questions that could help a lot of people who are looking to scale and grow a business, especially where, you know, sales recruiting a sales rep or building a team are um, absolutely involved so man thank you so much for your time yeah you're absolutely welcome it was an honor being on and uh you're a fantastic host man it was very easy to talk with you so i appreciate that <laughs> thank you so much for tuning into this episode of avoid the confusion we hope you found it inspiring and informative remember success is not just about the talent it's about mental toughness perseverance and the willingness to learn and grow make sure that if you found value in this episode today that you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any future episodes if you truly found it valuable share it with your friends and family so they too don't miss episodes moving forward and then don't forget to join us again next week as we bring you another top performer in their respective field and explore what it takes to be the best version of you for you thanks again for listening to avoid the confusion we'll see you next week